Uh, we just wanted to share a little bit about what the Lord's been doing um, through testimony since last weekend. We had some special meetings uh, where we were all seeking the Holy Spirit. And we were, Justin and I were praying about getting together. Um, we're going to be getting together this Friday at around 7.30 probably to have a prayer meeting for missions um, for our mission partners, for Melody, um, for Dick, what's his last name? Brodgen, um, for him, and then for Meadowview, and for anyone else who has a heart for missions or anything else, this Friday at 7.30. But as we were preparing for that, we were going to meet last Friday, and we decided to do that after a full day of work, and we were tired, and we came together and later found out Justin was, was thinking about, like, hey, let's just call it off, we're tired, and I had the same feeling, but we, we wanted to get together, right? I had Brother Glenn's message in my head, hey, we're at war. Okay, I'm tired. I just got home from work. He's tired. He got home from work, but we're at war. It's Friday night. It's the night that the, the enemy likes to, to get into people's hearts and say, hey, you deserve this. Go out and have a drink, or you deserve this. Go out and see a movie or whatever, you know. Um, so we got together, and we prayed for a little bit and felt like the Lord was sending us out, and we didn't know what we were going to do. We weren't going out with tracks or a specific agenda. We just knew that God was calling us to go somewhere. So we got together, and, and we went out, and we started walking. And, hey, Lord, where do you want to lead? He led us to Meadowview. So we go to Meadowview, and we see Mike there, um, Aubrey and Lydia's uh, stepdad. And he's got shoulder problems, so we start praying with him, right? And then while we're praying with him, little David comes up to us, and he tells us, hey, we're moving this weekend. And, and this is a precious family to the Meadowview folks. And, and they've been there for maybe two or three months. And we've been ministering to them. And they've asked for Bibles. And we're loving on them. And I had David come up to me at one time and say, hey, you know, can you pray for my dad to want to pray? And, I mean, just precious what the Lord's doing. But they're moving, right? So we found out. If we wouldn't have gone out, we wouldn't have found out that they're leaving. We were able to get them more Bibles. And I ran into them yesterday. God's just blessing this thing, right? Just keep finding out next person, next person, next person. And so then we leave there, and we're headed to hey, wherever the Lord's leading next. And we're walking, and we're praying, and we're just praying Jesus' peace around Meadowview, you know, that the drug addicts would be out, that the drug dealers would stop. All these things, you know, we're, we're just thinking about, Lord, bring your peace in this place. And we run into Troy. Hey, our brother's Troy, you know. So we pray with Troy. And, and then this is where Justin's going to come up because the next group of people, I think the Lord specifically sent Justin for. Um, so then after we leave Troy, we go to, to Walmart, right? And we start walking around Walmart. And we're not finding anybody, um, but we're praying. We're walking around, just seeking where the Lord's directing us. And, um, okay, we walk around 10, 10 minutes, nothing. Justin's like, well, I need deodorant. Okay, so we follow that. And who, did you guys know the Lord can use deodorant? Like, he can, don't, don't put anything past him. So we get to the deodorant aisle. Yeah, so we get to the deodorant aisle. I'm like, man, I stink. I forgot. Oh, yeah, deodorant. All right, cool. So we head over there, and we're, we're coming to the aisle, and right as we are stepping into the aisle comes a group of my coworkers from the ark. And um, I'm like, oh, cool. This is, this, this is Lord. Awesome. This is cool. So we step in there, and we just spent five, just a few minutes just talking with them. And I had just seen some of them earlier, so it's like I'm not really catching up with them. But, like, 
God, what do you want to do? And so we're just talking, and uh, this, one, this one young brother that um, the Lord has been burdening my heart, praying for him, trying to really just urge him to come. And he's one of those guys that really, I'm not sure if struggles with learning or just struggles with some sort of struggle that he has uh, learning things. And um, one of the things, one of the jokes that we made throughout the day um, was about this plastic palm tree that's in the ark somewhere. And so he makes this joke. He's like, wouldn't you want to buy that tree? And uh, I said, no. He's like, why not? Like, why wouldn't you want to do it? And it seems so mundane, but then the Lord started to really, like, I believe either watering a seed or planting a seed. I don't know. But the fact that we were talking about this tree that does not produce anything, he was wanting to put it in his backyard, like, just fantasizing just for a simple conversation but fantasizing about putting this tree in his backyard, and he was like, why wouldn't you want to have it? I was like, it produces nothing. Why would, you not, why would you want a tree that produces nothing? And it just led to this, this conversation, and um, I believe the Lord used that to, because it wasn't just him that was standing there. It was three other people, his sister, um, another coworker, and another coworker. And so just the Lord opening that up for that um, Later on, so it was like, okay, God, just giving us more energy to, to see that he's going to be faithful when we step out by faith. He, he meets us, right? And so he continued to uh, guide us outside of Walmart, and we're tired. Of, you know, we're like kind of dragging our feet a little bit at this point, but we start making our way towards like the fast food joints in the area and just walking. And we are, past, we are about to come into the Waffle House uh, uh, parking lot. And uh, some of you guys know Kavan, um, just recent graduate from PLM. But we are walking and we're praying. And I don't know, I guess he heard something. His windows were down. And he immediately turns the corner into the parking lot. And he makes a U-turn. And, like, it's Kavan. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, this guy. Like, God, you're just being faithful. What's, what's going on? This is really cool. Um, and just seeing the point, bringing all of that up and, and continuing on, um, we, go, we go down in, into the, the, the Waffle House, Dollar General, back part of the store. And um, Brian had literally uh, mentioned, like, the reason why he wanted to go down there was because we know somebody that has mentioned that he stays in the back of the store. And so we... We head around, and as he's finishing up that sentence, I turn my flashlight on because it's dark. Turn my flashlight on, and I shine the light, and here you see this, this man's head poke up, and it's him. And just moment after moment after moment of God leading us, us being open and stepping out in faith, and God responding by sending the people that we asked him to send. We didn't know who it was going to be. But we knew, and, and I don't even want to say we knew necessarily because we really didn't. But we, we knew that as stepping out and stepping out in faith that God was going to meet us. And it just continued for like another, felt like another 30 minutes after that. But the Lord started to break my heart for this man who was laying on the ground as we were talking to him and asking him if he's okay. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. We asked him, Brian asked him if, if he needs a tent. And you could just tell 
he's like, no, I don't need a tent. Like, my heart started to break because how many of us have been in that situation where we are in need, but in pride, we deny the help that the Lord brings us, whether we realize it's help or not. He brings us that help, and I don't want to get to preaching, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's, it was beautiful how the Lord um, responded to our faith in stepping out, um, and it's just an encouragement to, to all of us in whatever way that you choose to step out, that you feel led by the Holy Spirit to, to step out, do it because that anointing is there. It is there. Um, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. a little hot. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for how you worked in all of us that were here in the special meetings. I thank you for all our visitors. Anyone here, I don't want to feel exempt from what you have to say today, Lord, but you are speaking to us, Lord. <clears throat> You're calling us lower, much lower. You're calling us to a place where you live daily, where you lived daily when you were here on the earth, Lord, where you had no life of your own. You, you didn't even have your glory. You left it to come and serve and be like us, to be a foot washer of humanity, to lay your life down, to be ridiculed, mocked, scourged, called a devil, you took insults, you knew rejection from the people you loved, but through it all, Jesus, you were determined to give your life, to lay it down. Nothing deterred you, nothing hindered your mission, and even though, Lord, they crucified you, you still had mercy, and you continue to do that today. And Lord, you do it through people. You look for people that are willing to walk simply as you walked. You're looking now, especially now, you're looking for people that will allow you to take their life, take their vessel, just like you, a vessel was made for you when you were born, when you came as a man, Lord, there was a vessel, a, a clay vessel that was prepared so that you could do the will of your Father whom you loved, whom it was a delight and a joy for you to serve because you came to serve. You came as a servant. And when you washed the disciples' feet, you said to them, do you understand what I did to you? They didn't fully then, but they did later. And he said, go and do likewise. And Lord, we're just here. We're all just unprofitable servants. That's all I am. That's all I will ever be, Lord. I'm just a piece of something you picked up many years ago, Lord, that was left on the side of the road like we heard last week, God. And you had mercy on me. And my eyes were open to the wonder of who you are, Lord, and I've never been the same. 
And I want my life to glorify you. As I choose to die daily, Lord, I want your life to be manifested. Lord, I pray for everyone here today. You have to do this work in us, this willingness to just utterly die and let go of everything about our lives, Lord. And for others that don't know you, Lord, open their eyes to see you. Open their eyes, Lord. Help them, Lord, to choose life today. Your heart cries out to all humanity, choose life, choose life. Why do you choose death? Choose life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Choose life today. Anyone here, you don't know him. You're not walking with him. You're still bound, hopeless, whatever it might be. Choose life today. Choose life. God has been reaching out to you. God is extending mercy to you today still. Choose life today. He doesn't desire that you perish. You're still here today. You might not be tomorrow. Choose life today. So, Lord, you know what you want to say. You know what you want to do, Lord. And I just offer this clay pot, this clay vessel to you. And I ask you to just speak to us all today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share the story before I read any scripture of a man. His name's Richard Halverson. It's a familiar name. Um, they, he was known as Dick Halverson. And he's one of the men in a book that I picked up again and started reading that's called They Found the Secret. They found the secret, and it's, it's basically all testimonies of saints that have gone before us that found the secret of surrender. It's the best way I can say it, because what you see as the common theme in all their lives was this utter, utter, complete abandonment of their life, but also their understanding of the need of the Holy Spirit to completely empower them and do everything God had called them to do because they, they came to a place where they understood ministry without the, the full power, everything God promised that the Holy Spirit would give us is useless or it's limited, however you want to say it. They all understood. They found the secret. Like we're finding the secret, aren't we? God did something last week. Do not doubt him. I know the devil is right there. All, every time God does something, the devil is right there to say, no, he didn't. Did he really? Has God really said? He hates God. He hates people. He hates you. He's got one goal in life, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he fully understands what happens when people are totally sold out to God and, and have everything God 
has promised to be effective witnesses. He knows. He knows history. He saw what happened in the early church through these common people that, that finally came to an end of themselves and simply believed God, believed what he promised. But it wasn't enough to believe. They surrendered. They abandoned themselves. Most of them were martyred. Paul, in I think it's Acts 19, 20. In Acts 20, Paul says this, and he's talking about sharing the gospel, which we're all called to do. We're all called to do what these two men. It looks different what these two men did maybe for all of us. It works out maybe in different ways. But we're all called to go forth like we heard last week in the same anointing that's promised to us. For that guy sleeping behind the Dollar General store, the people all around us that are racing to hell that, that don't understand at any moment, they will be in a place that is undescribable, that we don't even understand. If we did, we would abandon ourselves more. We would weep more for souls. We would understand the heart of God more. And what drove him to the cross? The reality of souls separated from the Creator for all of eternity in a place of utter darkness and torment forever and ever, never to end. A place that was not meant for His creation that He called good, that He loves, but yet rebelled against that love. And ever since that happened, He's been pursuing Pursuing, pursuing, crying out. Proverbs uh, 1, I think, talks about wisdom, crying out on every corner to anybody that will listen. Anybody. Is there anyone here today? Are you listening? Has God been calling you? Do you hear his voice? Have you responded? Have you surrendered to him? Because, see, it's not enough for someone to just convince you to pray some prayer. It's not enough to just get baptized. See, if you really, really believe, you give them everything. And, and I'm just telling you, being a disciple of Christ is losing your life. There's no in-between. And if you want freedom, if you want everything the cross did for you, it only comes one way, 100% surrender, 100%. You will never experience all the promises, everything God has for you, if you don't fully surrender. That's the secret these men found. Not just those men, many. There, there's many sitting here today that are finding that secret. That's what these guys are finding out. They're finding out what they were made for. They weren't made to be addicted, to be bound. 
their whole life, to live with that identity hanging over them their whole life. They were, they were born to bear the image of God, that, that God has a purpose for their life. Many others here that's responded to him, that, that God has touched your life. He's called you to go. He's called you to go out into the highways and byways and be the same effective witnesses that the early church was, that many are today. So he's sending us. My prayer really is this church is sending, sending. And it's not just local. It's everywhere. It's all over the world, sending, sending. That, that God has a little place where he can get a hold of people in such a way, people that really believe him, people that somehow he helps, and he has to do it. You have to ask him to do it, to open up our eyes first and foremost to the reality of who he is, to where you so fall in love with him because you understand what he did for you, who he is. How wonderful he is, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful, beautiful? Yes, he is. He's all of that. He's holy. And yet, he washed my feet. He came to me when I was that guy laying behind the building. When I was a guy out for days with no water, and willing to drink water out of a fire hydrant. I remember those days. Insane. Insane, but yet God was there. I look back, God was there all the time. Turn to me, turn to me, turn to me, turn to me, turn to me. Choose life. Choose life. And all I could say is, when you see him, when your eyes are opened up to the wonder of who he is, it, it's really true what Romans 12 says. It, it's just like automatic. It's reasonable. Like it says there in verse 1, to offer your body as a living. You don't know what else to do. Like what else do I give back to this God that would lay his life down for me, that would love me in such a way to die the death he died so that I could live? That has to be real. If that's not real to you, if, if that didn't happen, or, or at least it's not becoming real to you, you need to pray and ask God, Lord, unveil the cross. God, help me to better understand what you actually did for me. Because if you don't, surrender is impossible. It just is. It's impossible, but if you do, it's easy. It's so easy. What I thought was so hard that I fought for years in the church, knowing God wanted more of me, but it was like, no, no, I got plans. No, no, yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, I'll do that, but no further. But when you understand, it's totally different. It's, okay, yeah, everything, I surrender. What do you want, Lord? What do you want me to do? That's what he's looking for. Okay? And it's a heart attitude. It's what happens. It, it's normal. It really is normal. 
It sounds radical. It sounds, I know Glenn has a message, the radical. It sounds radical, but it's normal. This is normal Christianity. This is what a normal disciple is. It's normal. It's abnormal to give Jesus some of my life. It's abnormal to love him somewhat and other things, not with everything. That's abnormal. God wants to make you normal. So this man, so back to this man. Um, I know what happens, guys. I know what happens. God does something, and the enemy's right there. It's, it's kind of like this. God bless Marcus. Uh, we were at their house the other night, and he was trying to light a fire. You know, I, I was trying to help him, but um, he finally got it. He got the fire going. You know, I was ready to go get gas. Like, this guy needs help. Let's just get some gas on there. But that's what it's like when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, right? The, the, the Bible gives us that imagery of fire, and it's boom, and God touches you. And all of a sudden, it's like you light up. But what happens if you don't put more wood on the fire? If you don't keep tending the fire? There's a picture of that in the Old Testament with the lamps. They had to keep oil feeding the lamps. Otherwise, what, what happens? What would happen if we didn't keep feeding the fire? What happens? Right, oh, you guys are smart. <laughs> it's a doctor. Glad you know that. <laughs> he wants to show us how smart he is. <laughs> Even us simple folk know that. <laughs> so I've been thinking about that. That's why I liked this guy's story, because you know what it's called? The burning life. That's what I want. It, they talked about John the Baptist that, that way. You know, he was a light shining. I want to be that. I, I want to be on fire. I want people to watch me burn. I do. And, and so let me just read you. So this is to help us, okay? This is to help us. And even if you weren't in the meetings, you want a fire? You want the fire of God raging in you all the time so that you don't have to wait till next year for some special meetings or a conference to get a special touch from God? You, you don't really need that. I, as much as I love special meetings and there is something about, you know, preparing ourselves and coming together and making time for the Lord, it is awesome. And it, it does give God an opportunity. It gets us out of our busy lives. And it's hard for us, isn't it, for the flesh. We don't like it sometimes even. But yet God is there and he's the one really orchestrating because he wants that fire. He wants people to go out and burn. He wants them to go out and burn in the streets, burn in the park, burn in your workplace so people see the fire. That's what he's after, the burning life. So this man, Halverson, said, having come to a personal belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Okay, so simple. Having come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, right? But he had a deeper reality of that. Realizing the urgency of the hour in which we live. Now, he lived, I don't remember, but a long time ago. What about now? What about right now? What does this hour require? You, we know what's going on in the world. I, I don't have to go through everything. What do you think is needed right now? Church as usual, little, little flickers, or do we need people ablaze, on fire, full of the Holy Ghost, going out the highways and byways? Is that what we need? Why? Aren't we doing good so far? Look at all our churches, and look at, we even got an ark in our town, and look at all that's happening in our country. Look at all we do. Why, why do we need to go so radical and this burning stuff? Because we have all that. And souls are perishing. And the church is as weak as ever. And we need to get back to Pentecost. To what the early church had and you know what the devil don't want that and he's doing everything he can to stop it so if you believe that if God's made that real to you and you've experienced God in that way you better hold fast to the word of God you better hold fast to what you know you believe to what you see in the book of Acts because the devil wants to wipe that out um, he wants you to forget. He wants you to back down because he understands what happens when people are on fire. He understands. Like I said, he's got a good history in it. He knows what happens when people burn. So he goes on and he says, the hour in which we live demands the highest type of Christian discipleship. I actually don't like how, I, I just would say true discipleship. Highest type, is there a high type of discipleship? I mean, a low type? I don't know. It does worry me, to be honest with you. Because if Jesus said, unless you lose your life, you'll find it, or if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. If Jesus said that, what does that really mean? Does it mean if I hold on to some of my life, I don't really have eternal life? Does it mean, was he, did he mean like everything? When he said forsake all, did he mean everything? Oh, well, come on. Relax. That's radical. No, it's normal. So I want to say this to you in love, okay? I really do. Because God says it to me all the time in love. Be careful who you're listening to. Make sure you're listening to Jesus. 
Because he's the one you will stand before when you die. And all I'm telling you, all that's going to matter is what he said. They are, there are so many opinions out there. It, it's mind-boggling. And the Internet has just made it worse. Well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. That's the problem. They're thinking too much. Instead of just taking the word of God for what it says, getting over the words in red and just saying, I believe you. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I better take that serious. I don't fully understand that, but I kind of get what he's saying there. Just get in your Bible. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Get humbly over the word of God. Because I'm telling you, in the end, all that's going to matter is Jesus' opinion. And what he said and what we did about it. That's all that's going to matter. Whether you're saved or not saved. So, I wish to unite, this is what he's saying. I wish to unite with a band of young people offering themselves, I love this word, as expendables. And there was one description I read of that which was really cool. You know the rocket boosters that take a rocket up? Now they have the ones they reuse, but in the old days, um, that rocket booster, which was so powerful, burned, man. It burned, burned, burned. And then it just burned up in the atmosphere. It was expendable. And that, that, that word means that. Like, I just want to burn out because my, my life is expendable for Christ. It's worth using up totally for him. Just burn up. And when he's done with me, let me burn up in the atmosphere. Expendables. With a vision, here it is. This should be in the heart of every believer with a vision of evangelizing. Now he's saying the youth, but really everyone of the world for Jesus Christ in the shortest possible time. Well, all I know when I read my Bible and I look at history, the only way to do that is in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when stuff happens and souls just come into the kingdom. And that's why we need to believe God for that. So, he came up with four principles. So, these four principles will help your fire to keep burning. I am committed to the principle that Christian discipleship is sustained solely by God. You're not going to work the fire up. The Holy Spirit is the fire, okay? And then he uses John 15. That abiding life of John 15 is his way of sustaining me. And we know the story in John 15 where it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you cannot do anything. So it's that place of abiding. So we commit, first and foremost, um, to a disciplined devotional life where I'm connecting to the vine through prayer, daily prayer, Bible study, devotional reading, giving God no less than an hour a day. That's what they committed to. Attaching myself to the vine, finding out what he says, sitting, getting at his feet, listening to his voice, spending time in his presence every single day. 
feeding the fire that the world and everything around us when we go out quenches or tries to. Every morning, every hour, feeding the fire through devotion and abiding with Christ. You have to fight for that. I'll finish with reading Philippians 2, but this is something you and I have to personally work out ourselves. No one can do this for you. You have to do it. All right, number two. I am committed to the principle that Christian discipleship begins with Christian character. Therefore, I pledge myself to holy living. And we see a picture of this. I believe it's in 2 Timothy 2 or 3. It's in there somewhere. About making our vessels vessels of honor. It's something we have to do. We have to do it. We have to constantly cleanse these vessels. It's a picture of all the things they used in the in the Old Testament, in the, in the work of the, the uh, temple. And they separated, and they, they were constantly cleansing so that things that were used for God were holy. And that's God wants us holy. That's what he's talking about, a holy life of self-denial, self-discipline, so that I can emulate those Christ-like qualities of chastity, virtue, which will magnify the Lord. And he quotes Philippians. I'm going to read the whole thing here, starting in verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul uh, talking about how we're to live for the gospel. According to my earnest expectation, Philippians 1.20, my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Nothing. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or whether by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress of joy and faith, that, rejoice, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you. And then he says in verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel, the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So we see here, he's exhorting them, he's telling them, live your life in a way that honors the gospel. And that's what should motivate holy living, not legalism or rules and regulations. I want to honor the gospel. 
with how I live. I don't want to defile my temple. I want to honor the sacrifice. I want my life to be pure. I want to discipline my life. I want to crucify my flesh so that I honor the gospel before men and before God. And then he just also says, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Not only to believe in him, but to suffer. says in God's word as well, those who suffer in the flesh cease from sin. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. A holy life. Number three, I am committed to the principle that Christian discipleship exercises itself principally in the winning of the lost to Jesus Christ. Therefore, I pledge myself to seek every possible opportunity to witness in order that I may always be engaged in winning someone to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said to his disciples, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. But as Paul said, don't fear your adversaries. I'm with you. I'll empower you. I'll even give you the power to die, to be martyred for me. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That is our call. That is our commission. Every single believer has a call to share the gospel whether it's to your children, your family, your neighbors, where you work, whether you go out on the mission field, out on the streets, in the park. Our whole life, everything we do should revolve around the gospel and saving souls. Striving together, striving together for the gospel. Lastly, I, I commit to the principle that Christian discipleship demands nothing less. And I'm going to finish with this one. Because this is the one God's really after in all of us. Absolute consecration to Jesus Christ. And he quotes Romans 12. I, I present my body a living sacrifice, utterly abandoned to God. By this commitment, I desire that God's perfect will shall find complete expression in my life, and I offer myself in all sobriety 
Here's that word again. To be expendable for Christ. That's an everyday, every moment decision we have to make. Everything, Lord. I, I give you everything. I read something from one of the other gentlemen in this book. And man, God really convicted me. And I saw what I can do with the Holy Spirit. I, I make the Holy Spirit my servant. It's like, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me what I need. And he's like my little servant boy. But you understand the Holy Spirit is an equal Godhead. You understand that, right? We've brought him down to a level that God never intended the Holy Spirit to be. The Holy Spirit is God. Equal. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're equal. One is not diminished. One's not lesser than the other. They're equal. They all have supreme reign, or should, over our lives. They are not our servants. We are their servants. And that's what God made real to me. That's what consecration is. So, this is another man. And listen to what he says. I can understand why so many Christians don't have joy the way, the way they should have, don't have overflowing praise in their heart. There must be a full surrender to the life of the Savior to have the fullness of the Spirit. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And all I'll say to you is, when I lived not in absolute surrender, that describes my life. No power, no joy, just going through the motions. Yeah, God did some things, but it was a very shallow experience with the Lord. Possibly not even a salvation for me, at least when I look back at my life. I'm glad, I, I'll just say this, I'm glad I didn't die back then. And if you want to play with that, then that's up to you. You know, if you want to argue over doctrines and, oh, I don't believe this, okay, that's fine. But all I know is Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That makes me shake. That makes me, like, look at the words of Jesus and really take them to heart and not just rely on people's opinions. Well, I believe this. Well, I believe that. Okay. You got it all figured out? I don't. And I see a lot of things in Scripture that don't make sense to me, but I want to take heed to everything. Whether I fully understand it or not. So he understands. Now listen to this. God gives us the privilege, the indescribable honor. Listen to this. The honor of presenting our bodies to the Holy Spirit to be his dwelling place on earth. Just think about it. Remember, Holy Spirit, he's equal to God. And God is saying, I want to dwell in you. I will dwell in you. That's the promise in Ezekiel 36. I will dwell in you. 
And he doesn't want to dwell a little in us. He wants to dwell in us in all of his fullness, in everything that he is. Do you understand that? You were purchased. You're, by, you're, you're not your own. You're his property. And he wants to take residence, not in one bedroom or not in the kitchen or the bathroom. He wants every room. He wants you to be full of God. That's being on fire. So, will you do so now? You have to like say this to yourself probably every minute of the day. Will I do this now? Will I do this right now? Will I do this? There, in the quiet of that late hour, I said to the Holy Spirit, my Lord, I've mistreated you all of my Christian life. I've treated you like a servant. When I wanted you, I called for you. When I was about to engage some work, I beckoned you to come help me perform my task. I have kept you in the place of a servant. I have sought to use you only as a willing servant to help me in my self-appointed and chosen work. I shall do so no more. Just now, I give you this body of mine. You could agree with this if you want. This is my prayer. I've made this my prayer. I, I'm going to hopefully memorize it because I want to burn. Do you want to burn? I want to burn. This is how you burn. I give you my hands, my lips, my eyes. I want to say most of all, my brain. My brain. All that I am within and without, I hand over to you for you to live in it the life that you please. You can send this body to Africa or lay it in a bed with cancer. You can blind my eyes or send me with a message to Tibet. You can take this body to the Eskimos or send it to a hospital with pneumonia. It's your body from this moment on. Help yourself to it. Thank you, my Lord. I believe you have accepted it because in Romans 12.1, you said, this is an acceptable sacrifice. Nothing less is an acceptable sacrifice. It's all or nothing. So we do well to heed Dr. Wilson's exhortation. I entreat each of you, go directly to the Holy Spirit himself. Give him your body. And then look to him constantly to do what he wants with that body for the glory and the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my exhortation to you this morning. That means soul searching. It means I, th I thought I gave everything. I thought I surrendered everything. No, God wants everything. He wants everything. And if, if you want to burn, if you want your life 
to burn for Christ, to be expendable for Christ. You have to lay down, just like that song we sang. Listen to this song. So we come to this place first. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I have, all I ever hope to be, Jesus. It's him. You, listen, we're headed for eternity. It's about Jesus. He's all you'll ever want, all you'll ever have, all you'll ever need. I'll be with you even to the end of the world. And I'll be with you forever in eternity. All for Jesus. All I am and ever hope to be. There's nowhere else I can look. It's all about Jesus. So fix your eyes on him. All of my ambitions, all of my hopes, all of my plans, Lord, I surrender them into your hands. Does that mean I make no plans? I have no, no. It means in your heart, if you have a plan, it's in God's hands. And if he takes your plan and says, not my plan, son, go here. Not my plan, son, do this. You're ready in an instant to drop it. I got something else for you to do. So go ahead, make your plans but hold them very loosely. That's the surrendered life. All your ambition, all your hopes, all your plans, I surrender these into your hands. It's a posture we walk in every moment. You know, I walk in that. I know I'm called here. I know I'm called a pastor here. But if tomorrow God said, sell everything, walk away from everything, and go to South America, okay, Okay. I know there's something always wrong. I'm just, I got to tell on myself. Whenever I say that, God's going to have to deal with me. I think of Eli. <laughs> She's laughing. My dog. What's going to happen to Eli? Diane, you'll take care of him, right? Okay. Right. See, God knows. He cares about that stuff. He really does. It's, it's silly, right? But we're like that. We're like that. You know, we, yeah, anything, Lord, but what, what about this? God wants to get us to the place where we're free. We're free. And, and I'm going to finish with this, okay? I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. Imagine we're in the book of Acts. It's right after Pentecost. God's moving. But now the time comes to go. You know, they didn't all just stay there forever. They went back home. They went to different places. And a lot of them, were martyred. And they understood. They didn't live in America. They lived under Roman rule. Okay, so I want you to imagine right now, you're there. Right now, we live in a country. It's not America. It's changed. There's an emperor now. There's a dictator. And there's a dictate that, that Christians got to go. So we know when we leave this place, when we go back to our homes, we will be persecuted. Some of us might die. I might get a phone call that Justin gave his life while people were beating him to death in the park. That was normal in the church. That Lauren's locked up in prison because he stood up for the gospel. That Glenn and Jesse got martyred 
when they were out traveling. Would that change our decision to follow Christ? To give him everything? Like Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is that in us? That's where we got to get. That's what God's after. That's the burning light. That's what God's calling us to. So I love a touch. I love the meetings we had. But now we go. But we go like this. And, and you're going to have to do those four things every day, every moment. It, it's going to be a constant laying your life at the altar, a, a constant laying your life at the feet of Jesus. And then we do it together because he finishes, uh, uh, sorry, where he says, uh, let's strive together for the sake of the gospel in one spirit and in one mind. So that's my prayer today. Take what the Lord is saying to us today. Go home and work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. And, and get to a place where God, whatever, wh whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. And if you want, I'll send you uh, maybe some of those quotes I read. But this is serious stuff. And, and I'll just say to you, the hour warrants it. The hour warrants it. Um, there's people perishing around us all over, and, and God is wanting to use all of us. So let's strive together. It might cost us everything. It will cost us everything. But that's what church is. That's what Christianity is. That it, it's time to forsake this world. It's time to just leave it all behind. There's nothing there for you. So, Lord, I thank you today. This is a personal thing. This isn't an altar call issue. This is something we got to work out with you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for all that are here that have responded to you. And Lord, I pray, God, that, that you'll help them. I pray you'll give them what they don't have in themselves. Lord, as we really trust you, you have to do this in us. Lord. We, we don't have this in ourselves. But if we'll ask, if we'll look to you and believe you for the power to lay our lives down, you'll do it, just like you did for those disciples and those, the early church, Lord. And I'm believing that, I'm praying that, Lord, and I pray you'll silence the voice of the enemy. I pray you'll protect every heart and every mind from all the voices out there that would tell them there's an easier way, you don't have to go that way. You're doing just fine, just this far is good enough. Lord, I pray you will silence the voice of the enemy and all the opinions, and I pray the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will take hold of us individually and as a body, Lord, so that we'll burn for you, Lord. I pray there'll be a blazing fire and we'll go as firebrands out of this place and we'll burn for you in the highways and byways, Lord. So I thank you, God, and we're believing that for Glenn and Jesse as they go out. We're believing it, Lord, as we leave this place today. There'll be something there because we're saying yes to you, because we're simply believing you to take these lives for your glory. 
and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, there's some people here. You've heard the gospel, you've heard the Christian thing, uh, but your life's not surrendered to him. You're still bound. Some of you might not live much longer if you don't turn to Christ. It's just true. And unless you fully surrender, it's not about coming up here, saying a prayer. God is looking for full surrender. That means you start saying, what do you want me to do? You have no plan. There's no plan B. What do you want me to do? It means you, you submit yourself to people. And you do what they say. And you trust God that he's working through people to save your life. You do whatever it is going to take to find God. I know there's some here today, so I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be right here. And if you're ready, you know. You know you've been resisting God. You've been fighting him. You haven't surrendered. Humble yourself. God is offering you life. You don't have to die in your sins. And I'll just say it. Um, there's a book I've read called Heaven and Hell. It's kind of an allegory. And there's pictures of there of people in hell. And you don't want to be one of those people that said, I heard it a thousand times. I heard it over and over. And I didn't listen. And now that's the worm that will never die. And they're in utter torment. Knowing, knowing at one point they had an opportunity. They could have responded. But now they're in hell and there's no way out. I don't wish that on anyone. It, it's bad enough for someone that's, that just hasn't heard and God hasn't really, like, reached out. But it's another thing for someone that's heard it over and over and over and over and resists the Holy Spirit, resists the Holy Spirit, and then to be in hell and realize I forfeited my soul. This is never going to end. What was I thinking? What was I holding on to? But it's too late for me. I can't change my condition. Please, please, I beg you, Jesus, please with you, be reconciled to God. Surrender your life to him. There's people here that will walk alongside you and show you what it means to be a real disciple, not a Christian cookie that sits in church and learns how to look like a Christian. That'll damn you to hell worse than anything. Because it'll give you a false security that somehow, because you did some things, you're, you're right with God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God is here to save your soul. But he can only save a surrendered life. A life that forsakes its life in this world. If you want life, it's here for you. But it means your life is over. And his life begins to live. And I'll just tell you, there's no better thing. There's no better thing. Why, why are you choosing death? Choose life. So, Lord, I pray anyone listening or anyone here, they would choose life today. And if someone's listening, call a pastor, call somebody and say, I need Jesus. I'm ready. I want to surrender my life. So, Lord, I pray you'll do that. And anyone that's here, anyone online, Lord, save them today. Today, today is the day of salvation.
So we thank you, Lord. And I pray my brothers and sisters would go and burn and burn for you today. In Jesus' name, amen.